Roll for initiative. Issue number 43 of the Roll for Initiative podcast. We are all back together. DM Vince, DM Nick, DM Jason. Hello. We're all sitting here together, and Matt is ever quiet in the background. Evil overlord Matt. That's right. We are here. First show, all yeah, all first show for all three of us back together. Hooray! All right, that was much rejoicing. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, website, Uh, we've been updated. All the articles are up. All the news is up. So you can stop worrying that we pod faded. (sighs) No, we're still alive and kicking. Right, Jason? What? (laughs) Okay, whatever. He was busy. He was updating the website as we speak. Actually, you're kind of telling the truth. I fell behind on getting the pictures put back up. But all the shows have been going in the feed, and I see people getting them, so I hope everybody's enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Let's head over into uh, Sage Advice, then, I guess. Sage Advice. So, Sage Advice for this week. Sage Advice. Here we are on Sage Advice, the segment where we give advice. No, I'm just kidding. We give advice, but not good advice. Well, do we give oh, good advice? Wait a minute. I hope so. <laughs> sage Advice. That's right. Give advice on the Spice Sage. Well, as always, we're going to encourage, as we do, voicemails. And the first voicemail we have from this week is from Guess Who, guys? Uh, Could it be last? Yes, it is last. <laughs> oh, I was wrong. Our wonderful forum moderator. And uh, just in case you want to dial in, 570-865-4210. That's our hotline. The hotline. <laughs> and let's take a listen to the voicemail. Hi, fellas. It's Lass. And I have a question for the RFA podcast. How do you fellas... As GMs adjudicate a chasing? For example, how do you determine if the bad guy is running away and the PCs are in pursuit? Does he? Or does he not? How do you determine perhaps the outcome of a race? Who wins? How do you keep it exciting, yet still within the mechanical barriers of the rule set of first edition AD&D. Interested to hear what you have to say? All right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, anybody who wants to can go back. Oh, wait a second. Actually, I just realized that you can't. Um, On my (laughs) actual play show, the very first... Uh, the very first one where we did have a chase scene that opened up the the, uh, episode or the module or whatever you want to say... ended up not making it onto there. But it's exactly what we had to deal with. Uh, There was a a thief who who was stealing people's stuff and everybody had to chase him down. If you look at the movement rates alone in the DM guide or etc., you're not going to find much that's helping you out because people have their standard movement rates. It never really gets into one character being faster than another, right? Right, right. Right. Yeah, so so you really... I mean, I had to, to... just kind of do something on the fly. And what I was doing was just giving sort of percentage chances that were influenced a little bit by dexterity for, you know, one or another to pull ahead. Um, and other things that could happen, like tripping on a rock or a uh, twig or, you know, a branch on the ground, that type of stuff. So, you know, really I just kind of pulled it on the fly 
using dexterity as an influencer, but not you know just purely that. It was more like more like doing uh, percentage rolls. I don't know. Have you guys ever dealt with that, Nick? You know, I I'm trying to remember if in, in my DMA experience, if I had to. Well, I guess if you want to talk like a chase, like you know, maybe running down like a hobgoblin or something like that. Yeah, I, I've encountered that from time to time, and that's. You know, if they want to move double their movement rate and chase after a, a particular creature, you know, that's not particular an issue. But, you know, something like a, an actual race, um, hmm. I do recall, I, I might be wrong in this, my, but my mind is leading me to believe that I do recall a Dragon Magazine article about like I know they had a thing like about charioteering and maybe about charioteering races if you want to talk about that kind of race and I think someone wrote up some rules on it. Interesting. Yeah. That'd be cool I, to find that. Yeah. I I mean I'm almost certain it's a Dragon magazine article about like a cherry like a chariot race and there was rules on it. Um I know at least that sort of thing. Now, now as far as anything else, you know, I haven't really encountered it uh other than you know chasing down that orc that he's trying to get away. So. Well, you know, they just dealt – they just had something like that on uh, that TV show Community uh, a week or two ago. Did you guys see that episode? No, no I, I heard that. about it, but oh, I have Oh, you have got to go back and watch. It okay. was great. Tell us about it. So there was a scene – well, the, the chase part, there was a scene in which – and I don't watch the show. I've never seen it before. That was the first time I'd ever seen an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to get the names of people wrong. I just have no idea. I know that Chevy Chase is one of the guys on it. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. He's awesome. I mean, huh. Chevy Chase is always awesome, right? Yeah, well, yeah. But <laughs> he's really good in this. Uh, and so I really don't know everything. I don't know any of the backstory or why they were doing what. But in this particular instance, there was one point where they were chasing down one of the other characters. And because he had something that was increasing his movement speed, I mean, whether it was you know elven boots or, or str- striding, what is this it? This was the gaming episode. That yeah. yeah. So, right. so they just plain weren't able to catch up to him at that point. But uh, never mind that part. That episode was so good. They were – I mean it was, it was a pitch-perfect game of AD&D. You know, the really? way that people were interacting, the way that some were better role players and a couple of the guys like uh, the guy from The Soup, whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Yeah, yeah, uh, I remember you talking about. Like, yeah, in the show, like he just didn't want to be a role player, so he would just describe it and they'd be like, no, you got to role play this. He'd be like, ah. Oh. Seriously, <laughs> and other people would get way into it until at one point there was a couple getting like way too into it, and it was getting very uh, awkward. <laughs> yeah, because one of them had to like seduce the barmaid or something. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was it was just so good. It was hilarious. The people that were playing it, you know, on the show were really good. They did the entire episode around a session of AD and D, and they oh, were I playing. Watch it. Here's the cool part: they were playing first edition rules. Nice. Don't oh, they really? Had all the first edition books out on the table, and they were playing a module that, oh. to my to my knowledge, doesn't exist. I can't remember the name of it right now. It's on our But uh, I, I, I saw the module in there, and it definitely was one I'd never heard of. And they had a copy of it, and whoever did the design of the module for the show had made it look perfect, like a sort of mid-'80s era TSR official module. 
It was just I brilliant. That's what I heard. Yeah, Drama Man was talking about it on the forums. He said something Lizard Man or something it was called. Or Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I have to go look it up, but it was just great. I, I, Curse of the Lizard King? N- maybe, maybe not. I don't know. No, it was. That was a was, real. If it was Curse of the Lizard King, that was a real module. No, it was definitely not that. No, um, it was something we never heard of. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, I, well, I could. It go might look have been just up. made for the show, like you said. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could go look it up, but I'm pretty sure it was just made for the show because I'd never heard of it before. That'd be cool if um, they actually released it as an actual module. <laughs> let's see. Well, the show was called. It was the, the ep- name of the episode was Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I'd have to go look it up to find out. Can you catch it anywhere on t- line like Hulu or anything like that right now? Yeah, I think you can. Yeah, oh, probably Hulu, Netflix, it. something like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, they had a chase scene and they just dealt with it by movement rate. Mm, yeah. See, and that's how I do it too. I just if you do double your movement rate and the other guy isn't, it's up on then... Hulu. Matt says, okay, so you can watch it on Hulu with everybody. Cool. Uh-huh. And then somebody can find out what that module was that they were uh, playing in it. Awesome. I'll watch it later tonight. <laughs> I want to too now, yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard so much stuff on, on Dragon's Foot. I heard a lot of people say it's very cool, and they did a, a very tasteful job on, on D&D there. So, it was called The Caverns of Draconis. Oh, okay. Nope, that's a new one. Yeah. Yeah, no, they made that up. But the thing is, I was just so impressed that they actually made a copy of the module for the show. I want and them to looks... actually make the adventure and release it. I would buy it. <laughs> well... Maybe somebody here can do it. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, it was really good. So uh, that doesn't necessarily help any with racing, but <laughs> well, let's come up with some rules and let's let's do them on the next show. Let's actually have yeah. a race. I have a way. Maybe we can find something out there. Maybe something was made on like racing rules or you know like chasing rules. Uh, you know, chasing down on movement rates and stuff like that. So I have a method. To I, do. I do it. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually do. Uh, Believe it or not, me, Mr. Non-Play-By-The-Rules, has a method. Uh, <laughs> if people are running after somebody and they're, I ask them if they're using their double their movement rate for run, obviously, mm-hmm. I would do give them a constitution roll, 3d6 constitution roll, roll under the constitution. If they could do it, then, then they would sustain their running. And right. then if it's through a crowd of people, I would make them do a, a dexterity roll because you have to be able to dodge and run through people. Same sure. method. Nice. That makes sense with the Constitution. And then, I think it's less about like dexterity on something like that, more yeah. about endurance. And as That's time goes on, you as a DM, you will make modifiers to the roles. So. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is that if you're talking about a, a long run, then you're getting your constitution into it. But if it's a sprint, the Constitution's not. Maybe the strength would be more important for a sprint. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, you know, taller characters are going to run faster than shorter ones in general. So you, I, there must be some rules somewhere. But let's let's actually do a race in the next uh, episode. Either we'll find a rule in a Dragon magazine or we'll use Vince's or maybe we'll try a couple of different things. It'd be fun to do next time. Yeah. All right. And uh, we have uh, two emails. Uh, one first one coming in from Dallas, a.k.a. Death and Drek. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on an AD&D play-by-mail or play-by-post. Perhaps you could interview one of the longtime play-by-players on Dragon's Foot for some insight. And that's just- oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Because when you look in the Dragon magazines, there was all these play-by-post things going oh, on, and people would God. actually play charge. Play-by-mail back in the day, yeah. yeah. 
play by snail email. mail. <laughs> I used to play by email a lot. Yeah, yeah. but play by I post remember, is, is very different. I, I, remember I think that would back, be cool. Back in the day, one of the, I think one of the bigger ones that was advertised in Dragon was for play by mail was there was a Star Trek one. Yes. Yeah, I remember they always had like they almost had like full page ads for that one. I ran. Did uh, you ever play any of them? I never did. I I never saw the point of it myself. <laughs> I, did, I had a group. <laughs> I did a wrestling one. A That's wrestling awesome. One. <laughs> when you sent your stuff away for wrestling, and then like they post this like once every quarter, like big magazine, and like everybody's quotes, like yeah, I'm gonna kick your butt and things like that, and then <laughs> and then have like the wrestling match, and my guy came in like second. I remember one year, but I did run a, a play by. Post. Remember how uh, Yahoo Groups before Yahoo Groups it was called uh, E Groups. I don't know if you no, remember but that. No, cool. I used to, I ran one for about a year. It was called House of Evil, on uh-huh. and, and uh, I got voted number two uh, for uh, for Yahoo's uh, second. Uh, I got the silver prize for a horror game for Yahoo when they voted wow. that year for in two thousand. Wow. Yeah. Well, the thing that'd be different about a play by post would be the whole physical thing of getting it in the mail. I mean, playing by email or playing by uh, forum already gives you a little bit more time to be thoughtful about things. But imagine if you're actually writing a letter and sending it off. Yeah, definitely. I, that would be pretty cool. I would I would be up for playing one of those right now. Uh, play by mail? Actual snail mail? Yeah. Yeah, like actually have to print it out and put it in an envelope and wait for it to show up in the mail. That'd be very exciting. <laughs> It, it's sad because the kids of this generation don't even know what the word pen pal means anymore because yeah. of email and everything. I know. We're just, I, <laughs> I, we were just talking about that here at my house the other day because, you know, everybody who had a pen pal back then. Yeah. And it's like that seems a little bit redundant now. I mean, what's the point when you can just get on, you know, video chat with somebody in Uzbekistan? Yeah, I could just jump on Skype and talk to my yeah. buddy in UK and say what's up. And he's, hey. Kids stay with yeah. their iPods, <laughs> iPhones, and <laughs> yeah, their so... Smith Corona typewriters. What were they thinking? Well, I'm sure someone who, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> Smith Corona typewriters. Nice, Nick. I'm sure someone on Dragonsword who's a longtime play-by poster can uh, write in or maybe give us a voicemail and tell us about their experiences keeping it alive in 2010 and 11. Yeah, definitely. It'd be cool to find anybody who worked with those you know, played with those i mean and uh you know bring them on i'd like yeah. i'd love that definitely so, That'd be cool. if you're out there whoever you are yay and uh, our last email comes from super nintendo chalmers okay <laughs> principal chalmers no anyway superintendent chalmers actually what's After- principal chalmers uh what what's superintendent chalmers what's uh, that from the simpsons oh okay 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 mm. great uh, okay F- his... Joke's funnier because we explained it. Yeah, I know, right? After a 15-year absence from Dice and Paper, I decided to get back into AD&D. At first, I was planning to get back into Second Edition, the system I first learned on. Mm-hmm. But after listening to your progress, I decided to try First Edition. I actually purchased the core rulebook from the gaming store that filmed Gamers 2: Darkness Rising. Good deal. <laughs> Good deal on them too. Now convincing and my roommates to play the game is the trick. So he just wanted to let us know what he was doing. Nice. Cool. Well, congratulations. Your... Welcome to the fold. Yes. Then to convince your uh, roommates, listen to more Roll for Initiative podcast. 
Yes, listen in now. Oh, anyway. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, I know if that's what we have, you want to email us, rfistaff at gmail.com, voicemail, uh, 570-865-4210, or on one of the many various forums you can find us on by typing in Google Roll for Initiative and you'll find us. I think that's yes. the easiest way to explain it now. Yeah. We're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll head into Table Matters. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world. I like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. Okay, uh, table manners. Uh, this time we're going to be covering something. I guess we've had a few requests on this uh, from some of the other, I guess, supplements for mm-hmm. AD&D First Edition. And one of them is the Oriental Adventures uh, book. Right. And specifically about honor. The yeah. honor system that's in Oriental Adventures. How does it work? You know, what's you know, why is it in this system and do you would you want to use it or not? So um, Well it seems like Gary Gygax yeah. took it pretty seriously. This seems mm-hmm. from what I've read to be one of the the uh add ons or whatever that he really liked. Yeah. Especially yeah. there's that that quote uh, I don't know where it's from, but it's something I'm paraphrasing here that what Gary Gygax said, if you ever have a character that reaches uh, zero or negative honor, you might as well just crumple him up and throw him away. There's no point in ever playing that guy again. That's yeah, directly actually, from the uh, book. I can find that right in the book here. Yeah. <laughs> um, right in the book. Uh, but a little bit about the honor system itself and how it works. What the point is, what it's all about is, and right out of the book, and this is on page 35 of Oriental Adventures, everybody listen out there, is the, a measure of the character's worth in the society, his dependability, his personal character, his trustworthiness, his decency, and more. So it's all of those things factored in about your character. And there mm-hmm. are several different factors beyond that that influence how much honor a character has, like their class their race, their social ranking, also the honor of their family. Um, There are different ways you can gain and lose honor if you use this particular system. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things is, like, for example, uh, if a character, uh, you know, might, like, like a cavalier or somebody or a paladin, if they, if they, lie about something flat out lie to something they might not gain any honor or lose honor there's there mm-hmm. actually a but the thing is about this one in oriental adventures there are charts in here mm. for the different oriental adventure classes how they gain and lose honor like, okay yeah like uh, you could be the most evil person in the land but you could have as much honor as you know like one of the highest yeah. ranking leaders in the land you could be the person with the most dishonor and be the you know, the person with the golden heart. It doesn't really matter right. which way you go. Yeah, yeah honor yeah, well, is not it dependent on, on, on alignment. It's your own... Yeah. It's like how, uh, uh, you know, the code you live by and how everybody perceives you. Yeah. Right. I mean, it doesn't change the core individual. It's their reputation. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, being a uh, character that needs to have uh, standing in the community for whatever reason, you're some type of a leader... If your honor has dropped pretty low, you've been, you know, accused of crimes and 
people are talking behind your back that you're a you know you welch on your debts and that you've run away from battles and that type of stuff. Yeah. You're going to need to do stuff to bring the honor your honor back up if you're using the system. Now, one of the things about the system that I didn't like is like the one of the things that you mentioned, Jason, is under effects of honor, the second paragraph. This mm-hmm. I thought, like I said, the rules are rather extreme or I guess draconian would be a, a good term. Okay. First and foremost, okay. if any character, no matter what race or character class, ever allows his honor to fall below zero, that character is out of the game. The player should crumple up the character record sheet and toss it away. Oh, yeah, that's that's the See, bet. that's a little extreme. I just don't see that. I think you can have characters play in low honor. I just think a lot of bad things are going to happen to you. Well, <laughs> you know? well, how much honor does a character start with? I mean, let's let's well, take this for a minute as sure. an example. Um, one so of you've the, got – go ahead. I'm one sorry. Of fact, well, one of the factors is that affects your honor is your birthright, is how, you know – basically what your social standing is in the world and mm-hmm. that's on a previous table and that adds honor on to what your starting honor is for your character um well, also, all right so and it's so, also so been, starting honors on, starting yeah. honor is pretty low to begin with right you know it's in right 10 15 20 points these are just for classes in the oriental adventures book but you yeah. could come up with a pretty good example if you wanted to use them for thieves and paladins and fighters and magic users yeah so that's what i was just looking at yeah if you wanted to use this beyond uh oriental adventures in the larger scope of the whole a d and d classes that you might want to have i guess you could expand that out um i guess you would just look at what classes would be closest to what you have from oriental adventures comparable to you know what's Hmm. in the player's handbook and apply those base honor rules to it yeah, you could do that. I have to do. I do have to say that sentence does make sense that Gary says in the book about might as well crumple up the character because, as we know, in feudal Japan time, everything was based on honor. Mm-hmm. So a man without honor didn't have a life to live, so they would kill themselves. So that's pretty much why he's saying you might as well crumple up the character sheet. Right, right. But if we're expanding this over to a larger campaign world beyond the Oriental say, setting and using the honor system outlined here to in a western uh campaign setting that the, the standard campaign setting for AD&D it doesn't you know, really it doesn't, doesn't really there doesn't really expand on it in the book how to include them it does it and well, you would just you know you'd, you'd come up with it yourself but i guess right. what i was saying you're saying you know what is is it such a is it such a big deal to hit zero and if you're starting with a character who at the very beginning has you know just a very small amount of base amount of honor and then they you know do something like being convicted of a crime and and these mm-hmm. types of things well at that early stage they've done a pretty lousy job of managing their reputation so they've kind of gotten right. off to a bad start and yeah i mean if you're playing in a world where you've decided that honor is going to be central to it you might as well throw it away but right. If you've just decided to bring the honor system over to a different setting because you like the way that it affects the game, and I can see that being kind of cool, then you don't necessarily have to do that. I mean, you could have a really interesting kind of Lone Ranger or, uh, you know, who who was David Carradine's character in Kung Fu? What was he called? 
Well, whatever. You could have a real interesting kind of character who's you know, been cast out of society and he's wandering because he's lost his honor and he's got to get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty interesting hook for a character. It would be. Now, yeah. when you were talking about how honor is seen, the, the honor of the character is seen from externally from other people, the right. higher honor that you get with this system there are going to be some benefits like uh, expanding on the effects of honor on page 36. When you get Mm -hmm. to 75 honor points, you'll receive a gift from a powerful Lord that is known to (laughs) your character. Right. Um, You get to 80 points. Your name starts to appear in popular songs and poetry (laughs) and uh, the local here. And and it goes on from there. You know, you're in, at 98 points of honor. You're invited to come and serve as one of the most powerful lords of the land. So, it was also negative. Not serve as, not serve as one of the. No, serve, no, no. We'll serve under. Serve one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Serve under. Yeah. Yeah. Not serve now, as. In the that ma- would be something. Now, um, also in the book, it says the maximum amount of honor you can have is 100 points. So mm-hmm. you can max out on that. So I guess yeah. it's a range from zero to 100 on honor. But the honor keeps going up because you still have to accumulate for the family honor as well. Right, and your honor does affect family honor and vice versa. Something happens in the family, it can affect your honor total either be it positive or negative. Sure. So, And those are outlined in the rules as well. Um, the reason why I kind of know a little bit about this is because um, in, in the, in the uh, Hackmaster rule set, there is an honor mm-hmm. system. It's like this. It's a lot more expanded because it expands on all the character classes and races. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little more familiar with this and how and how it it works in a all encompassing system, not just in an Oriental setting. Right. It's, so in that that's in fact, I could see how how they took these rules for honor and kind of expanded. And I understand it a little bit as it is written here in Oriental adventures, how we were talking before, if you want to expand this into a larger setting in AD and D you could do it, but I think it's an all or nothing thing. If you're going to, you know, have a mix of Oriental adventure characters with some, you know, some other types of characters, I'm I'm right. wondering how that would work if because Oriental adventure characters would have honor and the other ones don't. I, I'm wondering how that all work. I don't know. Well, we did. Well, it. I mean, it, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say when we did it back in our playing game, Western type characters came over. They didn't have the honor system, so mm-hmm. we never used it for them. They just said they didn't believe in the same system, but they were in the land, though. Yeah, see, that's yeah, interesting. I, I think it has more to do that's with it. you know who you're in the land of. Yeah. Right. You know, it's it's an external thing. It's not an internal thing. So if right. you're somewhere that the society that you're in cares about your honor, then, yeah, it's going to, to, to reflect on you, maybe more or less depending on who the character is. So if you have a, a Western knight who shows up in, you know, in medieval Japan, in feudal Japan, in this game system, uh, their honor is still going to matter, but maybe they'll be thinking, well, he's an outsider. We're not going to give him quite as much grief over having breached some protocols and they're certainly not going to sing about him as much in songs as they would about somebody who's from there you know vice versa if the uh characters in if if the if the uh 
feudal knight from Japan is in a Western setting in medieval times, they're still themselves going to care about their honor, but no one around them is going to recognize quite as much, and they're not going to sing songs about them because they don't even do that, let's say. True. Well, as looking at the system, applying in a Western setting, I think it makes a whole lot of sense because Mm -hmm. at least in in a historical aspect, when you talk about like the 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 troubadours and the minstrels in the mid the late medieval period of Europe, you know yeah. they they sing about you know knights and 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 not necessarily uh, ones that were fictional. They they wrote songs about the local lords and and uh-huh. their their uh, deeds of daring do and so on. So there is I. I think this honor system could work in both settings, but I think if you're going to do it, I think it has to be all or nothing. I don't know. I don't think you could kind of piecemeal it. You know, some characters out of Oriental setting only has honor and some do not. I don't know. I guess you could. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not too clear how that would work. This kind of this this really reminds me of like an early, well, it kind of reminds me of using like the whole dark side thing from Star Wars when you're using mm-hmm. this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, I guess, uh, the, the point of the system is for, in this particular setting, honor is important. It is paramount thing. And knowing the history of it, yeah, it was. And so, yes, there, it, there is a kind of system to track through all of this. Yeah. When you play Oriental Adventures, you don't sit down and make a character and that's it. You sit down and make a character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to follow the various charts up and down from what page chart 38 all the way up until the honor system so yeah yeah so i mean would you guys use a system like this uh outside of oriental adventures would you like to incorporate something like this as a standard uh i don't know if you want to call it a stat i guess you could uh yeah not i i I don't no i i don't think that i'd want to do it this way just because it becomes too mechanical it takes too much away from the role playing it gets too much into the roll playing for me mm-hmm. but you know that's just me no, i agree i wouldn't bring it outside of this system at all mm. I, I yeah as written i don't think i could in first edition AD&D. i know in the other system i said they have an honor system and it does work for that because it's been written for the whole for all the character classes and everything, so that could be interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't play. I don't. I, this is the only book that I don't own, uh, and I don't really like it because it's kind of too cartoony for me. But <laughs> so you know, I just wouldn't use it at all. But you know, well, there you go. Everybody has their opinion. This is when we started. We nicknamed it one point five. Well, not us, but someone else did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting. It makes sense for the setting that it's in, at least for me. Hmm. Good thoughts. Yeah. So that's honor in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) So anybody else have any input on that? I think I think we got a pretty good uh, cover on that and pretty good grasp on that. And I guess uh, we'll move on to our next section of game mechanics. You think I'm mad. Perhaps I am. What are you, a wizard, a genius? Darn. A perfectly good brain wasted. Game mechanics. Game mechanics. Tonight we're going to talk about everybody's favorite extra stat from Unearth Arcana, 
comeliness or comeliness or comeliness or <laughs> however it's pronounced. Depending on your accent, yes. <laughs> yes, comeliness. How pretty I am. Yeah, exactly. How pretty are you? So it's not charisma, although uh, a lot of people have sort of treated uh, charisma that way to be- in the beginning. But really what it comes down to is just pure physical attractiveness. Right. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's nice. just it's just how good the character looks. Uh it's it's relative to some extent because obviously uh between different species or races there's going to be effects. Uh for example, half orcs get a negative 3 to their comeliness rating, but that's only going to be if there's if it's not another half orc looking at them. Right. Right. Um, and charisma does affect comeliness, so it's 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 about how attractive the character is. But I suppose just like in real life, you know, if if a, a winning personality and great charisma can can push that one direction or another, sure. And uh, there's some there's some pretty uh, intense effects when you get to the the very edges of this. You know, a, a, a character with with comeliness of negative 16 or lower uh, is so repulsive and horrifying that those viewing the character with comeliness this low will turn away or attempt to destroy the creature so offensive to the sight. Uh, and then when you get to the other end of the scale, these amazing plus 25, plus 30, those types of things, you're Not talking like about... Me. Yeah, you're talking about godlike or demigodlike. They have like a fascinate power. As in other words, those that don't have a strong enough wisdom are just going to be unable to think clearly around such a beautiful, radiant creature. Like uh, me. <laughs> ex- perfect example. That's, yes, it's like you everybody there. can see that. Yes. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> a face for radio. Um, wow. <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, so. Have you guys used comeliness in your games ever? No, never. Yes. You didn't even experiment just a little bit? Uh, maybe one time in co- – oh, never mind. <laughs> no, just I'm that never, one time. Just that one time. It didn't really count because I was asleep. No. I, I did not inhale. <laughs> so so how, how, did, how did you use it in your game, Nick? Um, I just used it as part of one of the regular stats. Mm-hmm. And just incorporated I mean, it right in. Did it no- come up very often for you or – I mean, I I recall when I first got the book, I'm like, oh, this is pretty interesting. This might make sense. And yeah, at least in my local game group, uh, the game groups where I grew up, they're like, yeah, well, yeah, everybody was really cool about using it. I mean, was it a real like game breaker or, you know, did it really affect things? Well, if you're trying to pick up the local bar, went sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of where it came in for us when we first when the book came out. We're like, hey, new stuff you can do, and so we added yeah. that stat in. And you know, fourteen, fifteen year old players, of course, there's always the you know, I'm getting drunk, I'm going yeah. after wench, you know. So yeah, sure, exactly. it was good for that. But I think that's one of the reasons that now I don't even want to go near that stat. Because yeah. it's just too adolescent. I don't know. I, I really don't have a problem with it. I mean, I can understand the use of the, the, the comeliness score. And, I mean, I can think of some, uh, at least one historical example of a man who had a pretty low comeliness but a high charisma, uh, okay. Abraham Lincoln. Right. 
he wasn't exactly the uh, the looker. <laughs> he wasn't exactly a looker, but he had a high charisma. Yeah. The guy could talk, and he was a very good orator. Orator. So, yeah. on the other end, someone who has a high comeliness but low charisma, probably Paris Hilton. <laughs> oh. This is my opinion. Great. Now we're never going to have I've Paris never... Hilton on our podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I've I've never rolled up her stats, so I don't know. But uh, sure. <laughs> the but but that's the thing is when you know when when you look in uh, game terms, I don't really see that much that it can affect. I mean, Not really, no. Yeah, I mean, you 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 can do some things for it, but it just uh, to me, it's an unnecessary complication when you've already got charisma why do you need comeliness in a game yeah exactly I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry Vincent I mentioned that <laughs> shut up Nick <laughs> I just always never th- found I mean charisma just use charisma you don't need comeliness I mean they dropped it when they moved to the next edition I mean it's gone yeah it was one of those things you know what I think it probably came out of I have no insight to this any real insight but this is my guess Okay, is that Enough people were misusing charisma and treating it like that that somebody said, why don't we just make a separate stat that specifically is about physical attractiveness? Mm-hmm. Now, why they decided that was something that they could spend their time on and they didn't spend any time on things like determining who wins in a foot race, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wish Gary was around. We could ask him, you know. I mean, maybe someone else at TSR – that was around then who's still oh my gosh okay matt our producer has found paris hilton's stats on wired magazine shut up really matt (laughs) holy cow he she's Uh, you're right i see that yep you have a faster computer than i do i can't see it yet i got it here chaotic (laughs) chaotic neutral human Strength, oh really? Strength <laughs> not yeah. Strength nine, intelligence nine, wisdom nine, constitution ten, dexterity fourteen, charisma eighteen, special abilities. <laughs> charisma eighteen? Yeah. Well if we're but if we're figuring that comeliness score. Wow. Special abilities, wiggling out of jail time for DUI charges, washing cars in an entertaining manner. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh boy, that's pretty good. Did they do a bunch of different ones for different celebrities? I'm looking here. It's cool that's they actually so did it for AD and D too. They even say at the beginning of the AD and D players roll dice. Wow, cool. Oh I would like God. to just take this opportunity to thank Time Warner Cable for giving me the kind of broadband <laughs> that can't pull up a single web page this entire time. It still hasn't come up. Oh really? Ugh. I just find it funny that someone came up with D and D stats for Paris Hilton. Oh my god, <laughs> that's great. That's uh, too cool. Yes, and uh... I think <laughs> either it's really cool or someone's got way too much time on their hands. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if uh, anybody who's listening to the show has a different opinion and finds comeliness to be a useful stat, please let us know. But it sounds like for now we have a consensus. It's a junk stat. Forget about it's it. more of a dump stat than charisma ever was. <laughs> yes. Oh. Oh, it's a dump boy. stat for dump stats. The <laughs> ultimate dump stat. They did and one that's... for... Uh... Oh, you wanted to know, Jason? They yeah. They did one for Ron Paul as well. That's cool. That's cool. Um, and that's game... Ron Let's... Paul. Ron Paul. I... Ron Paul. Okay. That's game <laughs> mechanics for this week. Okay. Woo! 
Creature, 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 creature. All right, so let's move into the creature feature theater. <laughs> We're going to skip the uh, the actual play type of format for that this week. Uh, no, nobody rolled up an encounter, uh, but that's okay. You know, sometimes it's fun to just sit back and talk about a character, and or a creature, I mean. And uh, this one comes from our favorite Fiend Folio. It's from the F section of Fiend Folio, the Fire Drake. Yeah. And I love the Fire Drake's illustration in the Fiend Folio. Yes, yeah, little pot belly dragon. It's great. It's great. Um, so, yeah, so the Fire Drake, you know, a Drake is sort of a, uh, a minor type of a dragon. They're, they're not too big, they're only about four feet long. Uh, they are only found in rocky areas. They actually call them here a dragonet. <laughs> a dragonet, huh? Dragonet, but not like Dragonet with two T's and an E. I don't know, Dragonet. Anyway, uh, resembles a miniature red dragon in appearance, uh, but if it's disturbed, even with peaceful intent, there is a 50% chance that it will attack. Um, It only bites, it doesn't claw, has a breath weapon. Um, It can only use it five times a day, though. Uh, Still a pretty decent one. It's a cone of fire, 60 feet long. 16 points of damage, that's not bad. Not bad. Uh, they they don't have the age incremental hit point steps because they don't live as long as dragons do. Right. Uh, but the uh, this is an interesting thing about it. The dragon jet the dragonette's blood burns fiercely in air. Um, their breath weapon is in fact a jet of blood. Um, it is inert if it's kept in a container underwater, so that swords dipped in the blood immediately become flaming swords for three to six melee rounds. Um, I suppose that would make for some really good encounters when you hit the dragon, the uh, fire yeah. drake, uh, when that blood comes spattering on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't say it here, but it's it's uh, sort of the logical extension of what would happen if they have blood that catches fire when it's exposed to the... Uh, Oh, I'm thinking way too literally because now if they have blood that catches fire with exposed to air, all you got to do is stab them once. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, the fire just goes right back up in and goodbye, fire Drake. And then I would make them explode for 3d6 damage in a 10-foot radius. And all the blood that goes spattering catches fire as it lands upon you. Yes. Oh, wow. Make Jason, them explode. Jason's Exploding the, dragons. She just found the yes. loophole for the fire Drake. <laughs> a really bad one that's going to yeah. get on all the characters too. Yeah, really. Ew. <laughs> Excellent. Clean up on aisle five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like this is a low level creature. I mean, so four hit dice creature, but you can use it for like lower level characters and have like a little adventure based on fire drakes attacking a village and explode yeah. and explode <laughs> and explode. Yes, <laughs> I like it. You know, I. Envision using this creature also in conjunction with something else. Their intelligence is only semi-intelligent, hmm. so I could see them being used as um, not, I guess, like a, I don't know if it, if it has, no, that can't use them as mounts. They're small. They're only four feet long. But well, I, could, I mean, some, some PCs could. <laughs> Halflings. You know, well, no, I was just thinking of something. This would be really cool mounts for Gnomes. kobolds. Perfect. Yeah, I like you know, it. Tucker's Kobolds. <laughs> but 
they're semi intelligent. They they're semi intelligent. Does that mean maybe they possibly could talk? Uh, semi intelligent. I think that rating that's pretty low. Yeah, I think that's below low. Yeah, that's your intelligence score is like two to four. You're just above animal intelligence. So, so they can... most of your humanoid creatures, I could see like you know kobolds using these maybe goblins. An evil kind half, of like, an evil halfling yeah. wizard. Sure. Yeah. Use them as a guard beast. That's how I kind of see them, like, uh, you know, guarding the lairs of a of a, of a particular humanoid clan. Maybe, maybe uh, they use fire drakes to protect their cage. A fire drake that runs into a village and blows up. I think they should be used to protect libraries. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's a really good idea. <laughs> Maybe if there's uh you know wh- wherever they keep all the the hay and the straw in town they could keep they could keep mm, them there. Yes, yes, yeah, uh, that's a great place. Keep to them near the alchemist lab. Yes, <laughs> there's all place sorts of places you might want to keep a fire drake on well, a ship. <laughs> on a ship, they're sure. good on a ship. Yep. I just ends. I sec. Uh, you know, bit of sarcasm here. <laughs> <laughs> you think? No, no, no. Well, you know, their percentage in layers. 80%. You're not going to find them out wandering about so much. Maybe that's right, why. Right, because they explode they whenever explode. they... <laughs> <laughs> like the worst example, the worst thing ever to be hemophiliac fire drake. <laughs> Bummer of a of a birth defect. Nice. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So there's your fire drake for you. Anybody yeah. use it? Yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever used it, but no. I, I could see the potential of using something like this. Oh yeah, I mean, I I just like the idea of using them as like a like guard dogs for a lair of another type of creature. I think they would work perfectly for that. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> an evil mage using them to sh- go into another library of another mage to destroy it. Oh Send them as a gift. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> that would be great if you if an evil mage sends the fire drake in a box as a gift to another mage who has to slay it and as soon as he does goodbye library. Yes, poof. Yeah, poof is right. All right, cool. I guess uh tell us how you use it out there and if you have yeah. used it. And uh, rfistaffgmail.com uh, 5708654210. The hotline is open now. And we'll head into our last segment of the night. Ooh, one of those electronic voting dealies. It's our poll of the week. I, I love this. I thought this was the 10-foot poll. Oh, yeah, the 10-foot poll. My apologies. The 10-foot poll. 10-foot poll. I love this one. <laughs> I do, too. I love it. Quick, goblins <laughs> attack. You. <laughs> I don't even know what my character class is, but... <laughs> Yeah, it's basically quick. Goblins attack you. Grab your trusty axe plus two and attack. Or grab your spellbook and fireball the lot of them. Or pray, pray to your god for action. Or hide. You never fight straight on. What would you vote, Jason? <laughs> uh, hide. You never fight straight on. I love playing a thief. Okay. Nick? Grab your axe plus two and attack. That's what I chose. I actually chose it was either that or the cleric one. <laughs> I actually grab your spellbook and fireball. A lot of them is what I picked. 
I didn't see change self into goblin, hide while they fight the rest of your party. That wasn't an option. <laughs> Who's playing the doppelganger? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so 56 of the votes coming in said grab your axe, uh, followed up by 33% of the fireball. Then uh, we got 6% and 5%. How does that add up? Five percent pray to your gods, and no, at six percent and five uh, percent hide. So it looks like the majority is with uh, grab the axe. You betcha. Grab the axe. Hit it with my get axe. The, get those XPs any way you can, buddy. That's right. So go on the site rfipodcast dot com and vote, vote more, vote more, vote often, like Jason always <laughs> says. Vote early, <laughs> vote often. That's, That's it. Right. Vote early, yeah. vote often. And uh, tell us what your opinion is of this uh, poll. I think that's going to end the show that week this week, guys. Excellent. Yeah. Nice little short show for the folks out there. Keeping yeah. it around the hour mark. Very cool. We're going to have more cool stuff to come. So, Definitely. Hopefully we'll get those racing rules uh, or at least find something or make something. I don't know. Oh, we I'll, got... I'll research that. about. I could have sworn there's something in Dragon Magazine. About like charioteering, at least that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, I have that on the uh, the notes for uh, next week's show, so we remember to you know say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Hey, everybody. Good night. Roll for initiative.